0: back on the trap line not in the fur shed this time this is trapping today i am your host jeremiah wood thank you for listening in trapping today is brought to you by Cotts brothers lures k-a-a-t-z b-r-o-s.com trap smarter work harder enjoy the success that follows they got a full line of trapping supplies baits and lures books dvds everything you need to get going on the trap line at kotzbros.com we're also brought to you by onyx maps which i've got going on my phone in the background as i record this turn your phone into a fully functioning gps on the trap line check landowner information mark your trap locations run your routes and your tracks check out the latest aerial imagery onyx has it all go to onyxmaps.com use the code trap, T-R-A-P for 20 percent off and brought to you by the trapping today store You can find my lures and the books, uh, my two books, and the prized mustelids of the North American Trapper t-shirt. T-shirts are selling like crazy right now. So check that out at trappingtodaystore.com. All right, so why am I sitting here in the truck with all this background noise when I usually am coming to you from the fur shed? uh, it is Saturday, and I am in the process of pulling my Martin and Fisher trap line here in northern Maine. And that might sound a little crazy to you, because as if you've been listening in, I've only just begun, essentially. I set traps two weeks ago, and why the heck am I pulling out already? You know, usually that means either it's been a massive failure, or you uh, the weather, you get weathered out or whatever, snowed stuff but no this is a good thing um we have a limit here in maine of 25 martin and i am approaching my limit of 25 martin so people that like trap with partners it's not really that much of an issue because they're trapping together and they get each got 25 tags so but if you're trapping like me alone and i haven't been really i'm gonna i just got out to check a trap here and pull i haven't uh I haven't been traveling in vehicles with anybody because of COVID and, and uh, it's COVID starting to get a little crazy here in Maine. Um, for a long time, we didn't have it. Okay, that trap, oh, the trap is sprung and it looks like we got a fisher. Oh, sweet, awesome. This is only my second fisher of this line. That is great. All right, I'm gonna pause this and uh, and do a little YouTube video. Okay, I am back. Looks like I wasn't able to pause that, so I'll have to stitch a few of these together. Um, back to the truck with a nice male fisher. Um, those Lynx exclusion devices, guys, we usually have a tough time getting those uh, fishers to go in those boxes. I mean, they're, they're real small openings. This is not a monster male, but it's, I don't know, it's probably 11 or 12 pounds anyway. Um, nice considering the, the box... Uh, opening that he had to go through uh, but anyway that was that was good that was awesome because I was I was hoping for some fish around here I'm running through a portion of the line that's kind of on my way to this good Martin country but it's been cut over and it's a younger forest and there's not a lot of cover for Martin here this is more fisher type habitat and so it it's uh, it's one of those cases where you know you you drive 15 20 miles and I didn't know at the time. I thought, you know, maybe I'll catch some Martin here. Maybe it's better than I, than I, than it looks. And so I set a bunch. But I set my 160s, uh, my bigger boxes in this section, uh, for the for that specific reason because, you know, if I was gonna have a Fisher spot on the line, that this this was gonna be it. But anyway, back to the whole COVID thing. You know, I promised my wife. Some people laugh at that. You know, some people are just think it's fake and it's a joke and some people take it real seriously Um, but uh, my wife's real nervous about it I promised her I wouldn't drive in the truck with anybody else until things get a little better and and so I'm kind of like I I have to start pulling my line ahead of time because I don't want to get over my limit of 25 Martin and so I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm getting ahead of things a little bit so that I'll have I won't have a lot of traps working if I only have one or two Martin left to go in my limit but um, anyway that's it's been just it's been just incredible it's been it's been an awesome couple of weeks on the trap line um, I'm gonna I just got a little ways to go here I can see my next spot um, and I gotta start knocking these things off in my notebook so one of the I'm gonna be pretty scattered guys I don't have an agenda right now actually I just decided at the last minute riding down the road here I was just kind of listening to something on my phone and I'm like why am i listening to music or podcast I could be recording right now because I'm gonna get home and it's gonna be late tonight I'm gonna to be tired and and have to set things up and be up all night trying to get the podcast done so um, I was like well what the heck why don't I just Uh, Hit record on my phone and and uh, talk to people while I'm checking traps something a little different, right? Okay, I wrote some stuff down in the notebook there Um, That was one thing that uh, I wanted to talk about is how I record my trap locations and uh, and and keep keep notes and all that record-keeping type of thing so somebody on uh, Trapper man the other day was asking people how they keep track of trap locations and there's a whole variety of different responses from people saying that um well i i uh i memorize all of them i never forget and and, uh, have 160 sets this guy says and i've never forgot one all right and then there's guys that are you know keep good records there's guys who use gps there's guys that are older guys that do not use gps so they use the odometer on their truck or they just take detailed notes so they just watch for flagging tape on the road so those are all you know very decent methods with varying degrees of success i'm gonna set my trap off just check this one nothing in here nothing touched the bait Um, but i'm kind of on the other extreme end i i just happen to be pretty paranoid i do not want to leave ever leave a trap in the woods you know i'm I'm very uh, protective of my reputation as a ethical trapper, elite law-abiding trapper. and I don't want to get in trouble. Um, so that's something that I try my best to to keep straight on. and so I have i'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you I'm probably the most extreme of of all these methods on keeping track of trap locations. so, Uh, Number one, I've got OnX on my phone, Uh, the OnX Hunt app, and that I use that to record every trap location. So I've got, and and when I first run the traps, uh, I'll record my route, so it's tracking every place that I drive with the truck, and so I know exactly which roads I took, and I have every spot marked, and they've made some upgrades to the app, so now you can mark Uh, it's really quick to add symbols. It used to be you had to scroll around every time to mark a trap. I've done 65, 70 of them this year, and it gets pretty old if you had to do that. But now you can just, um, you have all these quick, it like automatically saves your most used symbols. And so the trap now shows up as one of your symbols when you mark the the waypoint and it's just slick. It's really, really fast. And so that's my number one um, thing that I use. But I, again, I am very paranoid that something's not going to work. And I actually have had some issues with On X on my phone, and they're, uh, they've been awesome about it. Um, but they, and they've been really helpful. But my I have a Google Pixel phone, and sometimes there are some issues and. I've got like 1400 waypoints and 20 25 tracks and uh, the people at on x were, were telling me you know you got to work on maybe turning off some tracks because your phone can't seem to keep up with the app and it's trying to load everything at once and so it's really easy you can toggle off and on with check marks check boxes uh to show and hide different waypoints and so that that makes it pretty feasible to i've a couple of suggestions i think i'm going to talk to them about to to uh, sort of uh, fine tune that just a bit more, but it's it is really convenient, so that's good. Um, and and uh, but but it's it's frozen up on me in the past. It, it'll you know occasionally do that, and I always get back home and I get cell service and it loads back up and nothing was lost. But when you're in the woods, you don't want that to happen. So I actually have a backup app, uh, some topo thing, and I've been using that just a little bit as insurance. But then my real backup is my Garmin GPS. And uh, I started to get away from that uh, last year. Uh, you know, I was almost ready to just go straight on X, but I wasn't, I just wanted to have that backup. And so, Uh, i still mark everything with my garmin gps and so when i'm out the couple days that i'm setting with day or two that i'm setting out the line you know the the 50 60 traps or whatever it's gonna be i will have uh my phone with with the two mapping apps open and i'll have my garmin garmin oregon running as well uh clipped to my belt loop my pants and the phone in my pocket and uh, people say, well, man, that's a lot of work. Honestly, it is. it takes about five seconds per uh, device, per app to mark those waypoints. It's really super easy. It's uh, with the Garmin, it's you hit the mark waypoint, you hit okay and you're done. Uh, the OnX is, is almost the same thing. It's two to three taps on, on the screen and you're done. So. It's it's really not that bad, guys, and it gives you an extra backup if you're like me. Uh, most people won't do that, but if you're like me, I'm, I'm just paranoid. Uh, the flags. Flags usually stick around. Um, that is, you know, generally uh, a pretty good way to go in the odometer in the track. But I've had people could take your flags down. I haven't had that happen, but I have had moose taking my flags and pulling my flags off the tree i've had that happen uh two or three times and i'm looking around like where the heck i thought i had a trap here and then i pull up my gps and find my way right to the trap but and then you can see moose tracks over to the 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 limb of the tree that i had my flag tied to so so that will happen and flags could blow away uh, fall fall down the tree could fall down a lot of things can happen you get snow and they get can get covered up so um and then the odometer, you know, there's there's occasions where the odometer doesn't work or your truck. My truck I'm fingers crossed I haven't broke down yet this season, but I think I've broke down at least once every season prior to now. And so when you're taking a different vehicle, you know, you you don't know, you could have you know, you could have snow and you're spinning your tires a lot and the odometer's not really working. Uh, that accurately you could forget to I forget all the time to hit the start on the odometer and reset it so that's kind of that's kind of how I keep track of things and then when I'm when I'm running the line I mean I'm less paranoid that I'm gonna lose anything I already got it all marked and so I'm not I'm not opening up both phone apps and my GPS when I'm running the line I'll just have one of those things and sometimes I won't even pull up GPS Uh, very often at all I'll just use my flags and my notes and I'm here at another set location and so I'm gonna go out and check that and then we'll talk about the notebook this was a 120 in this little low spot here I caught a weasel here last time oh I can smell that lure And we don't have anything today. Alright. It's an old dump site. Way a long time ago. Back when the old timers were logging in here. Alright. So this is a a Lynx Exclusion box with a 120 set. Baited with beaver meat and the lure. Believe it or not... I've been, I use all kinds of different lures. You know, guys, I'm, yes, I make lure and I sell lure, and it's a good lure, works excellent. I use almost all my own stuff, but sometimes I switch it up. And at this set, I actually used perfume. So the old-timers will tell you that um, a surprisingly good Martin lure, especially early in the season, is perfume. Um, that's what I've got here, and... Um, boy, it's, it's, uh, it seemed to work very, very good. I've experimented a lot with different lures and baits the last two years, and it's amazing what you can learn. Um, you gotta be careful, because you, you, know, just one observation doesn't mean there's something actually going on or there's a pattern there, but um, if, you, if you're really meticulous with record keeping and you have a lot of observations over a long period of time, you can learn a lot. And things are finally starting to come together for me in terms of, uh, you know, like that podcast episode I did last week about develop a theory. I've been developing theories for years now and testing them out and using the ones that work and getting more effective all the time. And it's been really a lot of fun and encouraging to, to, uh, to grow as a trapper and get better. That's what it's all about, right? Okay, got to figure out how I'm gonna fit all these boxes in here. My goodness So I'm not gonna fit all of them um, and We'll talk about that in a minute, but my I can fit usually about 30 boxes in this truck Which is a little better than I did with my Ranger, but um, Yeah, so so Well, let's get into the record keeping a little bit, then I want to talk to you about why I'm running the line today, because I wasn't planning on doing it earlier. Okay, so I I have a right in the rain notebook, and in that notebook, I have all of my set locations, and the way I start this is when, when I set out the line, I'll have the date and uh, every day that I go out in this notebook, I have the date and what I'm doing. And so uh, this date, I have setting out Martin Fisher boxes. This was prior to the season start, and I was just getting my boxes in the woods ahead of time. A truckload, anyway. And every single location has a number, okay? Um, and let's see. I'm going to give you... Okay, I'm gonna read off the next one so I can start driving to it while I discuss this number 10 Fir grove on left 160 box about 30 feet from road beside down log um, partridge was the bait and predator plus was the lure okay so that's number 10 so I have a number and I circle the number at every set location um, and Sometimes if I mark on GPS and there's a waypoint number, I'll add that too. But basically what I want is uh, I want the general location for that set number uh, in relation to uh, any type of landmark or physical feature that I can see from the road. And then the side of the road that it's on, left or right. And I'll have my flagging usually on the opposite side of where my trap is just to kind of throw people off maybe a little bit. The distance from the road, the type of trap that it is, is it a 120 or a 160? Those are all of what I'm using here. And then I will have the bait bait that was used and the lure that was used. And so that helps me find the set and it also helps me uh, identify in the future what how well baits and lures worked. Now, in between sets, as I'm going down the road, anytime I take a turn onto a road, I mark the. I have um, a line in the notebook right after the most previous set, and a star right in front of it. Take next right, or take next left, or you know, go straight through intersection, or skip if I if I hit a a Y in the road and. Or there's a there's I drive by and there's a road on the right and I don't take it I put a star skip next right and so as I'm navigating I know exactly which way that I turned after and before each set that's that's been really important for me to help kind of navigate my way through and I have to go back and find my tracks on the GPS and and uh, re go through that whole thing all over again it's it works really really slick guys and so i'll have that all separated and then i'll have my my number of the trap and i'll have that circled the location bait and lure and off we go now that once that is all set up and done and i'm running the line let's say i come back three days later i'm checking traps i'll put down the date check traps okay now I don't write every single set that I go to. Obviously, that'd be pretty redundant. However, every single time I have something that is notable, specifically a catch, I will write down the number of the set and circle that number, and then what happened or what I caught. So I'll have, say, uh, this today's date, I checked seven traps. Number seven, I caught a Fisher. 11, 14, 20, check and pull traps. Uh, number seven circled Fisher and so what I can do is go back on to number seven and see that um, I used beaver and long-distance call at that uh, at that set and so I can I've got one more instance where I have uh, I have a catch tied to a specific lure and a specific bait that I used And so there's just a million things you can do with this information once you get enough of it that it starts to become more valuable. Um, So anything else I wanna talk? I don't think I have anything else I wanna talk uh, on that. Sometimes I'll have like, uh, if the trap was set off and the bait was stolen, I'll make a note of that. If I see tracks around, especially last year, on the odd years, usually the Martin and Fisher aren't very hungry. And so we have a lot of instances where they're not going in uh, to the boxes. Um, and in those cases, I will write down where I had refusals. And so I can try to develop a pattern there. Or if I know there's an animal in that location, it might change the way that I do certain things uh, at that location in the, in the future in, in order to try and get them into the box. Or maybe I'll make, an extra, make another set. Like one case a couple years ago, I had, uh, I had Martin and Fisher that kept refusing to go into a 160 box and I brought the next time, I made a note of that, and I, I brought a 120 box the next time and I put it 10 feet away and I caught a Martin the next check after that. So those are cases where you can, you can do those things. Um, what happens, you might ask, if you're running your line and you decide to add new traps? Well, if you add them off to the end, of the, the end of the line, that's pretty easy, right? You just keep going on with your new numbers. Um, and after I'm done checking all the traps, then I'll write setting new traps and then start continuing on with the numbers. But if you're, uh, if you're setting, the other day, I saw a fisher across the road in front of me, believe it or not, when I was checking traps. And so uh, it was kind of like, I, I, I had boxes in the truck and I thought, well, what the heck, I better just set one. Okay, I'm at my next location. And so I did, and I'm going to actually check it here in a few miles, uh, probably 10 more sets. I'll be at it, but I, uh, I did that, and so how do I keep track of that? Well, I usually have a little bit of space. I uh, leave a line or so in between my set uh, descriptions. And in that case, I actually, I'll use like B. So if I had 17 and 18 and I set a trap in between the two, I'll go 17B. And then I'll describe that set. And so it's a, it's a pretty decent system. All right, this trap is set off. This is a, another 160 box. Um, not too far from the road. I had weasels messing with me in here. It looks like I caught a weasel. Yeah, all right. Well better than nothing huh let's see open this up okay I have to take all of the boxes and open them up and uh, pull the traps out and the reason for that is so I can fit them nicely in the back of the truck because as you might imagine, the, the springs are sticking out the sides of these boxes. And so it's a real pain in the butt. And then, so what I do is I'm just taking the the traps and, and uh, wiring them up and folding them up and wrapping them around with the tie wire, wrapping the tie wire around them and setting them inside the box just to save, again, to save more space. So, it works. Works pretty good. Okay. These 160 boxes, 220 boxes, are so huge. They take up the space of, like, three of the uh, of the 120 boxes, so they're kind of a pain in the butt, man But what are you gonna do cry about it? Huh, we're trapping and so getting back to the whole reason why I'm here um, I have uh, I have two overloaded truck loads worth of boxes that I need to get out of the woods and Again getting close to the limit of 25 Martin um I really don't need to be out here for much longer anyway, and my plan was to pull the whole line here on Sunday, which is tomorrow. Uh, I we can keep uh, twenty five Fisher. We had let's okay, let's read our next location before I forget. Okay. Okay, so, I passed left, on the left, before culvert dump set. I got that one. Grove on the left, 160 box. I just checked that one. The next one is on the left, just before ridge funnel. Oh, this was an interesting one. Uh, it's a 120, 30, 40 feet off the road with beaver and long distance call. Um, this one, I've kinda, I. this is one of my newer theories. Oh, my. And it, it has to do with Trying to select uh, more micro habitats. I'm kind of getting dialed in with the macro habitat, the large, broad scale habitat stuff. It's been a real, real eye opener this year, particularly because I, I changed my location and it's been really like night and day in terms of, uh, you know, I am really in Martin country now and it's very discreet and distinct difference when you cross town lines and get into a landowner that does not cut as much wood and all of a sudden the Martin densities are like at least double. And my catch shows, it shows in my catch, it shows in the number of tracks. It's just, uh, it really was an eye opener. Um, But, you know, you can catch Martin in these other habitats that have been cut over and there's not as much cover. The densities are gonna be less. And I think now that I'm learning this, uh, there are certain places where that are more effective because you're catching Martin as they're traveling through You may not have as many home ranges in the area, but they are moving back and forth different areas. And they are probably frequenting certain parts of their home range more commonly because the habitat is better or because of just the features of the landscape. So this is something that I learned uh, quite a while back. There was, in terms of just wildlife in general, uh, thinking back to some of the eye-opener moments in the past just when, when I've been thinking about how animals travel across landscape scales, and this whole idea kind of hit me when there was an area that always had uh, good numbers of whitetail deer where you would see deer cross the road uh, in the same stretch of road there's like a three mile stretch of road and there's this big long mountain and there's a couple of funnels there and for some reason, the deer just used those travel ways uh, all of the time. And it was really good cover, nice big hardwood ridges, and just beautiful. Well, uh, a the company that owned the land kind of split up, and an investment company ended up kind of taking it over. And they completely changed the land management goals where they needed to get a Uh, quarterly return of a certain percentage for the shareholders or the board members of this private whatever it is family corporation I guess it is um, or a trust and so they were economic driven and they just absolutely destroyed this whole mountainside this three miles or so stretch just cut every valuable merchantable piece of wood on it and it was just a, a moonscape and would you believe it even though the deer habitat was gone, those deer still continued to move through those same funnels and those same travel ways. And uh, I've seen it. Oh, here's my trap. Nothing, nothing here. All right, just some tracks of snowshoe hare. There's a little bit of snow here. We got snow last night. And so these deer were, were still using these areas. And then there's other places that just talking with a bunch of old timers and old deer hunters, um, they, they were observing in other areas that, you know, this has all been cut over, but they're still using the same travel ways. And so you start to think in terms of, well, there's something, there's some landscape features that are probably, um, you know, maybe part of it is the gear just, they've just always gone that way. So they're used to it. Um, but I think part of it's gotta have to do with geography, with, uh, not geography, with, uh, just the the way that the land is shaped and the um, the most efficient travel ways and shortcuts and saddles between ridges and and all that sort of thing. There's, there's So I started to think in terms of this, this concept of natural funnels. And so this spot I actually put on my notes that it was a, a ridge funnel. And what it was is that there's just a really uh gentle ridge that goes a long long ways it goes oh probably well mile or so here maybe a little more and then all of a sudden it just hits this outcropping of like this just this really steep ridge that intersects it and comes down and uh and and just it's kind of an obstacle so so if an animal is traveling parallel to this ridge and the road runs parallel to the ridge so Uh, if they're traveling near the road you know looking for food or whatever moving parallel to the ridge maybe they don't want to come out martin don't don't like to come out on the roads here very much they're not very protected so they, they they hit this this real steep ridge coming down intersecting this long sort of gentle ridge and that seems you know unless they want to exert the energy to climb up that ridge and go over it to keep going on their travel way you know they're gonna start moving downhill and just kind of parallel on that ridge so it's kind of what I would consider a natural funnel so uh, that's that's what I was looking for when I was kind of uh, coming along this area and I, I finally saw that I said what everything just looked the same right okay I get nothing for quite a while now I get to turn on to this road System okay, this is actually oh, yeah, where I hit my my fisher set where I saw the fisher cross is next. Um, all right, good. So, anyway, the this this was kind of my theory. I kept driving, there's nothing here, there's nothing particular to set set on, and then all of a sudden I hit that ridge, and I'm like, oh, boom, there you go, that's that's my feature. So, I sat there, I didn't catch anything, but that doesn't mean if I would have caught something, that would have been it would not have been a guarantee either. Uh, that's just one more data point you know and this is not I haven't caught a Martin this whole stretch of road anyway the whole theory uh, was you know the, the habitat was key here obviously uh, the, the, the habitat apparently did not support Martin numbers at this location and it wasn't just catches it was tracks lack of tracks as well so anyway I'm turning on just turn on to this road and i shouldn't have to go far before i saw that fisher cross and i'll be able to check that set it's only been 3 days guys so what i've noticed i before the season i saw a fisher cross the road and i um, before i get to my main trap line and i did set a, a trap there opening day i checked it a few times i didn't i never caught him i just pulled it here about an hour ago and so it isn't. Nothing's guaranteed, and a lot of times, you know, someone else could have been trapping and caught that fisher too. But more than likely, that fisher just hadn't been back to that area, and if it maybe it did and it wasn't as hungry or something, I don't know. So this was just three days ago, and if this fisher was just kind of hanging out doing its thing and it was in its, you know, its home range or its area that it spends most of its time, we may have them. Um, if it was just passing through and this was kind of its travel travel way and its way through to run a circuit or go to somewhere else, it may not have been back yet. and It may not be back for another, you know, four to seven days or something. You know, it seems seems seven to ten days is kind of a, just a ballpark number that I've noticed here, but I, I don't think there's any hard, fast rule. All right, so I'm going in, but I'm going to pull it today. Anyway, I'm done. Um, I actually, the fisher... Uh, I'll talk about that in just a minute. I might continue a fisher line down further south of here, but uh, you guys remember uh, Charlie Tucker? Had him on the show, and with Billy Thompson to talk trapping and, and for a few episodes. And then you, you know Charlie's kind of famous from the TV show Mountain Men, where he showed uh, showed him trapping up in this area, in northern Maine. And uh, it's fine. I run into Charlie quite a bit. I ran into him couple times in the last two weeks and the last time we talked no nope, didn't catch anything there so nothing see nothing had been back to this location yet the other thing is this fisher could it was a good size fisher and it may have just been too big to go through the hole to get to my uh, to get to my bait it's a four inch by four inch hole that's mandated for these 120 sets so um but charlie knows a lot you know he catches a lot of fur and he traps With a partner, sometimes to where, you know, she, she, they'll trap together and they can, you know, they can catch 50 Martin instead of 25. And, and, uh, you know, two years ago, I mean, they caught they caught 20 fishers, and they had to stop Martin trapping because they were limited out on fishers. Now the fisher limit this year went up to 25 as well. Um, But uh, anyway, they. Needless to say, Charlie was trapping back before there was a limit, and he puts up big numbers of Martin. He always has, historically. Um, he does believe Martin numbers are down because of the habitat. Um, he's, I think he's 100% right on that, no question. Um, but Charlie has a lot of interesting observations, and when we talked the other day, he said, uh, you haven't noticed Fisher moving around much lately, have you? I said, well, well no. And I was like, well, what's he getting at? How does, how does he know that? And uh, he he was telling me about how uh, the weather patterns really affect fisher movement. And he said, until it gets really cold, the fisher just don't move much. You'll see him, you know, you'll see see him occasionally, but they just don't really start moving like they do when it when it cools down. He said you'll get the martin will move. You know, the martin are kind of the same way, but they're more you're more likely to catch them. They don't, of course, make long movements like the fisher do around here. Um, but it was. That was really uh, interesting to hear uh, and and we'd been on a pretty long warm spell as well so so it was it was really consistent with what I'd seen even though I was catching the Martin no the Fisher weren't coming now I wasn't in Fisher much Fisher habitat but I am in some of it um, now uh, my friend Butch Borman he just sent me a picture last night of he's got a couple guys trapping with them, and I don't know how many fisher that, that he was holding. It was unbelievable. It was like five or six fisher. Just he had a big armful of them on on uh, yesterday's check. And so, and and I just got that one a couple traps ago. So uh, some, there's something to that, man. They they did uh, they did apparently do some moving here more recently, more so than they had been in the past. Um, but anyway, it's it's very predictable now that, as I'm starting to learn this more, um, where you have very discrete changes in habitat, Fisher and Martin, they overlap to an extent, but on a micro scale, but on a very broad landscape scale, they do not overlap as much. Uh, if you look at a map, say, of the state of Maine and you look at Martin and Fisher distributions, there is overlap, but there is a definite broad scale pattern and if you get down in the farm country you almost never catch a martin. Um, where I live I, I live kind of on the edge of the woods but I'm in farm ground and I've never caught a martin. I've never seen uh, there's one possible martin track there that I've seen in the past that that was it but I catch fisher there all the time so if I had I had north and west of my house to get to my trap line I'm way up in the mountains right now I'm I'm 30 miles from uh from any any pavement right now and i'm getting ready to go deeper deeper than that i just took a side road and i'm off on this this logging road but anyway uh if i headed south of my place i get into fisher country and there's still some martin in there but uh the fisher kind of dominate and that's uh you know generally less a little bit less snow and different type of forest. It definitely seems to be overall more cut and the, the blocks of mature forest are much smaller. And so there's not a, you know, a bunch of sources of, of Martin population density. So what, I, what kind of one thing that I've been thinking about doing is kind of setting a fissure line down south after I've got this pulled. If I haven't quite got it all out of my system, I I may go ahead and set up a small fisher line close to the house, check every three days, and and try to try to rack up a few fisher. Cause I man I've been in Martin habitat straight steady here. It's been awesome, but I've only caught two fisher so far, and I I could theoretically catch twenty five. I wouldn't mind catching six or eight, so I may do that. And, but uh, it, it'd be easier to do if I could still keep keep one or two Martin and with be within my limit. So. We'll kind of see, oh, ah, that was a good smell. I smelled my lure just as I stepped out of the truck. Um, This location is, it's pretty cut over ground, but the edge, the end of this road actually is some good habitat and I've caught, I caught a martin here, the end of this road uh, the other day. This is kind of a little bit of stand of trees in between two clear cut and spruce plantations that are not martin habitat at all, they're terrible. Um, I was hoping that the animals would kind of be moving through this island of trees, um, but they were not. I set this strap opening day, checked it several times, and I'm pulling it, and it's never been set off. So, so much for that idea. Alright, moving on to the next set. Let's see... It is on the left hand side behind Big Cedars, white box 40 feet from the road, a 120 with beaver for bait and perfume for lure. And I caught a Martin here my first check early in the season. So the weather has been mild, it's been warm, unseasonably warm. It was. We had a couple days of 70 degrees. I was checking traps. Wednesday got into the low 70s while I was out here, and it's been not really good for fur movement, not good for fur spoilage. Actually, didn't lose any, but I was nervous about it. I was checking more often for that reason. But all of a sudden, things snap cold again, which which is normal here, and now. we got we got an inch of snow last night and that's kind of in the process of melting right now it's probably in the high 30s right now but looking at the forecast it's looking to get cold and stay cold in the next 10 days and it it might dip a, a couple degrees above freezing during the middle of the day in a few day for a few days but it's going to be quite cold holy smokes are you kidding me i I <laughs> just made about a hundred bucks guys fresh drop moose antler in the middle right in the track of the road it is november 14th they never drop thanksgiving is early for him to drop wow that is awesome that is awesome oh it might only be 70 60 or 70 bucks <laughs> it's a little small it's not that bad though <laughs> sweet just paid for my gas for the day Boy, you never know what you're gonna find, man. That is incredible. I've never, that is by far the earliest I've ever seen a drop. Um, three years ago, I was it was Thanksgiving, and I was that was that year when, remember I was saying I caught a fisher in the first day, the first trap, and I went 59 in a row without catching one. I was struggling that whole year. Uh, a lot of things that I've changed since then, but the one highlight of that year, one of the highlights was uh, thanksgiving i was i was driving down the road in the pitch black and i there was a huge moose antler right in the road that, that i found and that one was probably 12 or 13 pounds that was a, a nice little payday so wow that i thought it was a joke I, I was i thought my eyes were playing tricks on me a moose antler this early man that is just awesome and The deer hunters, with the deer hunters around here, that would have been scooped up. Uh, I'm just amazed that no one's been down this road today yet, apparently. I was just down this road three days ago and it wasn't there. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'll take it. (laughs) I get so excited there, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, the weather. So anyway, uh, tomorrow, my plan was today, move stuff around the farm and get everything kind of put away for winter uh, I got a pump a su- submersible pump I get to take out of a well with 100 feet of pipe and wires and I get a solar system to take down and I get a battery system to put away I've got probably a dozen pieces of machinery and hay and equipment that needs to be kind of wrapped up and put away and tractors and traps and boxes and all kinds of bait and wood and everything just lying around that i haven't been able to get to been picking away at and i was going to spend the whole day today doing you know daylight to dark just cleaning all that stuff up tomorrow pull the line throw as many boxes as i could in the truck and then i'd have to come back after the trap lines all pulled and and pull out you know pick up the rest of my boxes well this morning the something popped up on the weather forecast and they're calling for four to seven inches of snow tomorrow night which would have been fine for me to get in and out and pull my traps but to go back and get my boxes i'm in some steep country that's seven inches down in town maybe 10 or 12 possibly uh up in the high country and it's real steep and tough to get around and yes you could do it but you're gonna to have to chain up the truck and go and then wade through a bunch of snow and get wet and all that, and, and I get to thinking, you know, I'm pulling traps anyway. Uh, a, a day's not gonna make any difference. Why don't I just go ahead and pull half of them today, pull a truckload today, then go back tomorrow and pull the other truckload? And so uh, realizing that, well, I guess I'm not gonna get my stuff, all my stuff around the farm done, but. Um, you gotta make trade-offs sometimes, man. You don't have a lot of time. Nothing in this trap. Um, you don't have a lot, of, a lot of spare time. Sometimes you just gotta make decisions. And there may be a few things that are buried under the snow for the winter, and they'll they'll still be there in the spring when it melts. Um, but usually, the last several years, we get this deep into the season, and it snows uh, usually after the fifth or tenth of November the way the weather's been recently, uh, that is is what we call the snow that stays. <laughs> so, and when I say the snow that stays, I mean that snow will be there until usually the end of April before we see the ground again. So, um, some years in the past, the last time I remember it was, from what I can remember, was 2012, 2013. When I first moved back here, we, we had what we call an open winter where... The uh, we had a lot of warmups and snow melted and you can see bare ground in the fields. The woods always have the snow, but you can see bare ground on the fields in the middle of the, January, February. Um, so you can have those cases, but um, that's been, that was like what eight, eight years ago and we haven't seen it since uh, in, in my recollection. So when um, you're playing the odds, pretty much, when it snows this time of year it stays and so I don't want to wait till next spring to pick up my boxes and I don't want to have to try to do it on snowmobile like I've done in the past so that's why um, I'm, I'm checking today pulling half today, pulling half tomorrow this first half is again the lowest percentage half if, um, I haven't even gotten into good martin habitat yet and so uh, that tomorrow will be the good should be the good (laughs) but yeah i'm it's good it's this is fun i figured you know what the heck i'll i'll uh i'll come out and and i you know we can't hunt sunday which i like because i can check traps without having a bunch of guys on the roads but uh i you know i could i got my rifle and my orange on and i could see a deer you never know i'm not really it's funny since i left montana montana ruined me for hunting i really have no strong desire to on deer here, because you just don't get, you don't find any There's just so few deer around. Um, I way, and I've gotten more into trapping, more into trapping, and I just am obsessed with it. So, um, I, I, I'm just fine with not. I have no strong desire whatsoever to shoot a deer. But what the heck, if some, if one goes in front of me, then I'll, I'll shoot it. But like the other day, when I did a YouTube video checking these traps, and I had uh, two or three grouse flush right in front of the truck as i was going down the road and like man probably should have brought my shotgun (laughs) the next day i brought my shotgun coming into this trap and nothing here and i shot three birds and we had grouse for supper so you know it takes a little extra time to get out of the truck and shoot them but not too much all right so pulled this pulling this trap and i've got several miles to go down the road to get to my next string of traps so I think I'll I'll uh, probably call it for now and maybe call it a podcast um I can't think of anything else that I wanted to talk about uh I'll have the tip shout out book and ask in the next episode I had uh, some some pretty good ones that I was thinking about bringing up here in the next few episodes so We'll talk about that. And we got Josh from Alaska, uh, probably two or three episodes with him. That was a lot of fun. And finally, guys, Kotz Brothers Lures message of the week. Kotz Bros is aggressively buying glands, skunk essence, and castor this year. So uh, if you wanna make a little extra money on your trap line, um, it's really not much extra time to save that stuff. Uh, save your glands from from all your critters you can find youtube videos on where to cut out the glands you can also buy a dvd from cots bros and kyle will show you exactly what glands to cut Um, any questions about storage typically um, he'll have that all he's he's brought that up before uh, but typically your best bet is to freeze them fresh don't don't try to age them or anything like that don't uh, try to preserve them just freeze them fresh and uh, don't ship in plastic bags shipping like uh, jugs screw with screw tops on them jugs with lids uh, are are ideal so anyway the, um, cutsbros.com there is a post up there on what they're buying that will be updated as we go on through the season and uh, the prices that they're paying the prices are up, as far as I can tell. They're they're paying more for glands this year than they have the past couple of years, and and more for caster, Castor went up. So um, check them out, Cotsbros.com. Go to the blog, and you'll see all the gland information. Thanks, Cotsbros, for your continued support of the podcast uh, thank you guys for listening in hope you enjoyed this a little lower audio quality no intro music or any of that stuff but uh real stuff on the on the trap line and um, you guys have yourselves an, an awesome week get out there keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping and if you got a season get out there and set some traps and i'm gonna go ahead and keep pulling traps and maybe i'll catch a little more fur